Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming out and worshiping with us this morning at Bear Life Church, whether you're here at our Moorhead campus, and I don't know if you know this, but we are one church in two locations, or at our Grayson campus. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us, and I also want to welcome everybody online watching. Last week was amazing. Here at our Moorhead campus, we saw nine people uh, get baptized, and one person gave their life to Jesus. Come on now. That's awesome, right? Come on, we should shout, Better Life Church, that God is saving people and changing people. Well, we're continuing this series called Experience of God. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 9. And I'll be using a New Living Translation if you want to get on your phone and follow with me uh, as well. Well, we're in that time of year, right, where everybody starts getting invitations. You get invitations to graduation graduation parties, you begin to get invitations to weddings that are coming up in the summer, and there's some weddings that are coming on, and you start, you know, get invited to those things, or whatever it may be for you, and how many of you, you actually like invitations? Come on, get your hand up, you kind of like getting invited things, right? Some of you, okay, okay, you like, and some of you didn't raise your hands probably because you didn't get invited, but it's okay, right? It's, a, it's all right, I understand how that goes, because sometimes you just don't get invited, right? Sometimes you don't get invited, maybe it's not to a graduation, maybe it's you didn't get invited to the dance, you didn't didn't get invited to the to the party. You didn't get invited. Maybe you could go in and say to the job offer that was you thought that you were going to get, and they didn't extend it to you, and, and you didn't get the letter. You didn't get the invitation. But then finally, somebody invites you to church, right? And like out of all the invitations I get, church is what I get invited to. And someone loved you enough, they invited you to church, invited you to a camp, invited you somewhere. What you begin to learn maybe about the church, about the Bibles, and then what you realize is that the Bible is full of do's, 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 and do's, and don't, 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 don't. And if you were like me, you're like, man, I can't do this. Like, all the do's in the Bible that I should do, I can't do. For some reason, I struggle with doing those things. And then all the things it says don't do, that's what I find myself doing. That's what I find myself drawn to is to do the things that you don't do. You know, that's actually my story. i never forget a eighth grade year at Varney Elementary School at a little Methodist church, FCA Weekend of Champions. A bunch of college students came down from EKU to this tiny little church and I got an invitation, I got invited to go and I went to this, this little old Methodist church and had all these college students there and they were doing skits and they were singing and they were having fun. And for the first time in my life, I was an eighth grader, for the first time in my life, I finally met Christians that were cool. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all know some very uncool Christians. And like, man, these guys are cool. I mean, how can they have so much fun and still talk about how much they love Jesus? Because that just didn't fit right in my mind. And so that night they gave an invitation and the invitation was to come forward. And I walked an aisle and I said a prayer and I was baptized and they gave me a Bible and they wrote my name down. And I went to Sunday school there. And then about a month later, I went back out living like a hellion. No change. Knew about it intellectually, but no life change. So going through Belfry, went to high school, really just living for basketball, having fun, doing stuff as a typical high school student would do. And I got into my senior year, and now you made it to the upperclassmen. You're, the, you're like the top dogs of the school, right? You're, you're, you made it your senior year. Now you get to pick on everybody else because you're a senior and all the incoming freshmen, and you give them a hard time, at least in our, our school. That's kind of how this, the robbery uh, went. And now your senior year, you realize, oh my goodness, you're going to graduate. You got to go to college. You better start figuring this stuff out. So 
I went down to the Baptist church. I was like, sure, the Baptist church will get it right because if not, at least they can cook some good chicken. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they know how to cook, man. Potluck for days. And so I went to the Baptist church. Same thing, the invitation. I walked the aisle in front of everybody. I said a prayer. They baptized me. They gave me a Bible. And I started going to Sunday school. And for about two months, I was filling out the Sunday school sheets and memorizing Bible verses. And then just, boom, right back out living like a hellion. New intellectually, no life change. And what I realized is that I can't do what the church is asking me to do. I can't live this good Christian life. I can't do all these things because what the things you don't want me to do is the things that I'm attracted that I find myself doing. And so now the Bible's a bunch of rules and rituals and routine that I, as an 18-year-old, can't do. But that's not what I really see in the Bible. You see, when I start reading the Bible, I start seeing how it's not really about rules. It's about a relationship. You start seeing as a father is to their child. As a vine is now connected to a branch. You start seeing these relationships. As a shepherd oversees sheep. And so what I realize is that there's not about a bunch of rules and rituals and routine. That's religion. But Christianity is about a relationship with God who loves you. And that's what I was missing. That's what I didn't understand. I thought it was all about do, 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 do's and don't, 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 don't. And if you're a good person and you clean yourself up, then eventually maybe then you are worthy to go to church. But that's not the case. It's actually about a relationship. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. Every single one of you at all of our campuses and watch online, hearing my voice today, every one of you have been invited. An invitation has been extended to you to follow Jesus. Not about rules, not about rituals, but a relationship. And as we continue this experience experiencing God, we're, we're walking to the path now where God invites us to join him where God invites us to pick up and, and, and notice where he's working and use us in a great way. And there's a story, I actually shared this at our college night just a, a few weeks ago, but there's a story I wanna share with you. I think it goes so perfect with today's topic if you're going through the study with us, if you're going through the small group curriculum with us. It's, it's about the invitation from God. This, this is actually entitled The Invitation because God has given you an invitation not just for salvation, but to use you greatly. So in fact, look at the person sitting beside you and say, you're invited. Tell them, say, you're invited. Say, you better be taking me somewhere good to eat then if I'm invited after church, right? You're going to take me to Trace. Come on, Grace. You better preach up there. I hear you now, right? You're going to take me somewhere to eat some good, good food. And we got a great, great story here in Matthew 9 because what I want you to understand is that God's revelation is his invitation to you to use you, to draw you, to be on mission with him. Wherever you are, no matter if you're a high school student in the locker room, middle school student, college student, it doesn't matter. Workplace, God is using you and wants to use you in a great way. And I want to pick up with this story because it kind of ties in from last week as well when we learned about Zacchaeus, how, how Jesus invites us to join him. And who is he looking for? Because I know what you're thinking. He's looking for the elite. He's looking for the ones that... that, that uh, uh, that are so good, that got it all together. 
The perfect people, that's who Jesus uses. God can't use someone like me. I'm a messed up, jacked up person, man. You don't even know, shoot, you don't know I've said and done last night, Pastor. God can't use someone like me. And I want you to find yourself in the story and see how Jesus extends the invitation to you as well. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Verse nine, Jesus just healed a, this person who cannot walk. And now they're leaving. And here we pick up with verse nine. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth. Jesus walks by him and says, follow me and be my disciple, be my pupil, be my learner, mimic me. You, Matthew, can become a rabbi like me. Be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up. And he followed him. Now, context, let's put this together. Remember last week we learned about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. Remember, Rome would auction off providences for the wealthiest people to collect taxes. Zacchaeus collected taxes from the Jewish people, which is treason. He was kicked out of the synagogue, kicked out of the family. No one liked him anymore because he turned against the Jewish people. In fact, the Jews had classifications. They're tax collectors and then they're sinners. Tax collectors is reserved for the lowest place in hell that burns the hottest. They could not stand tax collectors because they commit treason, because they rob from the Jewish people and send on to Rome what Caesar. Zacchaeus was the chief one. And we learned last week that Jesus pursued him because he wanted a relationship with him. Now, Zacchaeus would come back to the providence and he would hire teenage boys to go and collect taxes for him. Ones who were outcasts, ones who didn't make it through rabbi school because every little boy's dream was to become a rabbi. So since birth, they begin to indoctrinate you with the scripture and the Hebrew scripture over and over and over. So if you were not a rabbi, you end up being a fisherman, a carpenter, or or, uh, you worked in the family trade, or you want to get rich quick, you became a tax collector. But by doing that, you're now outcast to all the Jewish people. So now he goes, finds this little, this teenage boy named Matthew, who's now sitting in a booth collecting taxes to give to Zacchaeus, someone like Zacchaeus, maybe not specifically Zacchaeus, and then they would send it on to Rome. So now Jesus walks by the notorious sinner, the worst of the worst, and says, hey, bro, listen, come, you have an invitation Follow me and you can become like me. That's what it means to be a disciple, to become like your, your rabbi, your mentor. So here's this little, here's this boy who's heard his whole life about Jesus and all the miracles that he's done, or well, at least for the last two or three years. And now Jesus comes up to him and says, you can be like me. And he's thinking, I committed treason. The Jewish people hate me. I can't even go to church anymore. I've been kicked out of the synagogue because I collect taxes. And Jesus walks by the unlikely and extends an invitation, says, I want to use you greatly if you'll just follow me. If you would just come after me. But are you willing to walk away from this lifestyle to become like me? You see, maybe you were asked the same question If you're willing to give up blank, then you could follow Jesus. For me, that was the don't, 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 don'ts that I was talking about. If you're willing to stop doing this, now you can follow Jesus. If you're willing to give up this, now you you could come to church because everybody doesn't know everything about you in your past. So if you could stop these things, you could become like me and you could follow me. Maybe you were told that. So let me ask you this question. Are you following Jesus? I didn't ask you if you're going to church. I didn't ask you if you're reading your Bible. 
I didn't ask you if you were praying. Are you following Jesus? Because he's extended an invitation to every one of us. Are we following after him? And here's what he says. Matthew, let's go to your house. Jesus always invited himself to people's house. I thought that was just ironic. Let's go to your house. Let's go somewhere where it's comfortable for you, but I may lose my reputation. I'm willing to do that, to have a relationship with you, Matthew. Let's go to your house. Verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and the disciples to come home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors. And look, and all the disreputable sinners, the, these crazy worst sinners, tax collectors and sinners. See, two categories. Matthew says, come on, come to my house. You can come eat with me. Now listen, in this century, to be invited to your house, to be part of breaking bread with you, is the highest form of honor that you could give someone. It's the most intimate as friendships that you can have, but we break bread together. We have dinner together. So this is an unbelievable picture where Jesus, the rabbi, the one who claims to be the son of God, the Messiah, is now eating with sinners. This is not possible. You see, what's crazy about this is that Jesus was comfortable with people who were nothing like him. Jesus was comfortable being around people who were nothing like him. You know what the crazy? They were comfortable being around Jesus. They didn't have a problem being with him. See, some of you right now, you think Jesus wouldn't like me because you don't know what I've said. You don't know what I've tried. You don't know. You think, you think Jesus would stay away from you because of your sin. Listen to me. Jesus runs to you because of your sin. See, no one told me that. I thought I was this dirty, nasty, gross, and God would have nothing to do with me. But the reality is God has been pursuing me my whole life. And God has been pursuing you his whole life. Your whole life. He will run to you, not away from you. But maybe church has been told you that God has nothing to do with you because of, well, fill in the blank. What you've done, what you've said, what you've tried, what you've passed, your history, right? And we all have one. But Jesus actually would run to you because of that in your life. And that's, called, that's why he wants to come to you, have a relationship, but he wants to use you greatly. Verse 11, this is funny. But when the Pharisees saw, these were the religious people, right? Oh, good old church folks. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why are you with these wicked, wicked people? Now, this is hilarious. You got to picture this context, context, right? Jesus, the disciples inside this one room, probably hut, no Anderson or Pella windows, y'all. You know what I'm saying? There's no windows here. We're blocking out the noise. They're a hollow window. They're inside eatings, which means if you walk by someone's house, you can look into the house and you can see through the window because there's not a window there. It's just an opening hole. The Pharisees are standing outside of Matthew's house yelling through the window to Jesus' disciples. This is hilarious. This is funny. So watch this. It bypasses Jesus and goes straight to the disciples. You can imagine, hey, why is your master rabbi eating with sinners? As if Jesus didn't hear this. I just think that's funny. I just think that's funny. Like, why didn't this ask Jesus? They wouldn't even ask Jesus. They, they just only asked the disciples. And then verse 12, it says, when Jesus heard this, he says, and you've heard this before, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. It's not the healthy, but it's the sick. And I can see Matthew going, yeah, yeah, that's right. Wait, what? Jesus, man, I invite you in my home. You're my boy. I broke bread with you, bro. We broke bread. We had a moment. And now you come all up into my house and you call me sick? Come on, man. I can see Jesus going, Matthew, 
You're robbing the Jewish people. Dude, you're sick. And man's like, yeah, yeah, dog, my bad, my bad. Yeah, you're right, man, I'm sick, man. I'm sick, I got problems, I'm wrong. I get it, I'm sick. I know I'm sick. I got problems. Don't we all? Don't we all have these issues? And then he says in verse 13, look what he says. Then he added, this is so, I always had time to unpack this. He said, then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. He's talking to the Pharisees, the religious people. You should show, he said, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. See, they thought it was all about the faithful obedience. It's all about the sacrifice. But what Jesus is trying to say, there's no superficial ritual can ever take place of a sincere love and faithful obedience. If there is no compassion, it doesn't matter what you do. If there's no compassion, you see, Pharisees say this, and maybe you've been to a place where there's a bunch of Pharisees. Change. Quit sinning. Then you can become one of us. Until you talk like us, look like us, dress like us, vote like us, believe like us, you can't be part of us. And maybe you've been somewhere like that. And when we launched this church 13 years ago, we decided that we're going to create an atmosphere where everyone is welcome. Come as you are. You know why? Because that's my story. I was told to change before I can follow. And that is not what the Bible teaches. So Pharisee says change and then follow us. Jesus says, follow me and then you will change. Do you see the difference? Stop your cussing, stop sleeping with your girlfriend, stop your drugs, stop your porn, stop all these gossip stuff, stop the bad stuff. And when you do, now you can come follow Jesus. But folks, you gotta hear me. You can never stop those things until you start following Jesus. Because when you start following Jesus, you realize your mouth begins to get cleaned up. You're not sleeping around like you thought you used to sleep around. I don't go to the places I used to go. I don't watch the things that I used to watch. I don't do the things I used to watch because I'm following Jesus. And as I follow him, I begin to change. But so many people, you got to change first. And listen to me, there's several of you right now today, the reason why you're about to throw the towel in on church, you don't care about church and all this stuff is because you don't think you can live the Christian life. You can't break your addiction. You can't fix your porn problem. You can't fix the situation. It don't have to be something like that. It could be any other thing in your life. You said, I'll just never be good enough. I'll never fit in. No one ever, if they, if they really found out who I really was, all this stuff. And what you've realized, you can't change until you start following Jesus. So Jesus walks by the notorious sinner, follow me and you can become like me. And that will only happen if you get up. Come on, let's go. And he got up and he went with Jesus and he overcame the problems in his life. So verse 13, the final part of this one. He says, for I, and this is very important, you've, you've, if you've been around, you've heard this verse before. Jesus said, I have come to call, 
Not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I've come to call, kaleo. It's an invitation. And it's not just an invitation, it's an invitation with your name on it. Kaleo is a personal to be called by name to go on a journey is what that word means. And Jesus, because of his death on the cross, extends an invitation to Kaleo to call you by name to follow him. Folks, listen, you have been invited on an unbelievable journey to follow after Jesus and to walk close with him if you choose to do this. And the invitation is for you. Here's the reality. We've all have sinned. We've all have blown it. But God is calling you by name. Watch this. Not only to save you, but to use you. And every single day of your life, if you wake up and God's given you breath, he's given you an opportunity, one, to know him, and two, to be used by him. And so if we'll go to work and we'll go to school and we'll go to wherever God sends us that day, knowing that he is calling us to use us that day to be on mission with him. It will radically change your life and you will experience him if you just open up your eyes, live a God-centered life as we've been talking about in this series. God will use you greatly. But I know what some of you are thinking. I know what some of you are thinking. But pastor, I'm just not good enough. And here's, I wanna close with these three points. I'm gonna close with these right here. If you're taking notes, you wanna write these down. Being a sinner does not disqualify you from following Jesus. It's the prerequisites. You gotta know you're a sinner before you can follow Jesus. You gotta know you need a savior before you can follow after him. You gotta know that. That's why you need him. That's why some people won't follow Jesus because you don't think you need him. You think you're good enough. You're better than most people, right? Morally, maybe speaking. But the prerequisite is that you must be a sinner. You gotta recognize this. Why? Because you gotta understand something. I've said this over and over and over hundreds of times. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so many people try to be good and you can never be good enough. That's why he invites you to become like him. So it's a prerequisite. You got to know that you are a sinner. Here's another thought that some people have for keep you from following Jesus to experience a relationship, but also to be used by him. Not believing everything yet doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. You're like, man, pastor, I just don't know everything yet. I don't understand everything. I don't got this all figured out. I still got questions, you know? I mean, I, I mean, I, listen, that does not disqualify you from following Jesus. You don't think the disciples had questions? In fact, it was about two years into Jesus' ministry before they truly understood that he was the one. Two years of following, sleeping beside watching him perform all the miracles till he finally realized that he was the one. So just because you don't know everything, it doesn't disqualify you. And you may ask the question, well, what am I invited to? What, what is the invitation for? Well, listen, it's not rules. It's not rituals. It's not about a routine. Once a week where you show up, See, that's what Pharisees want to tell you. It's rules and rituals and do's and don'ts and religion. 
But finally, <laughs> September the 2nd, 1997, in my dorm room, I realized it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about do's. It's not about don'ts. It's about a relationship. And God, again, extended an invitation. And I responded. I guess the third time's a charm. I finally got it right. I now know it's a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> you see, God isn't meant to be studied. See, even let me just for you Bible study students out there, you go to your Bible and you think you're studying God. You don't go to your Bible to study Him. You go to your Bible to know Him. A relationship with Him. If you begin to see when you open up your pages that there's a love letter written to you with your name in it. One of the greatest ways to study your Bible is to take the pronouns out and put your name there. For God so loved Daniel that He gave His Son. That if Daniel would just believe, I will have eternal life. That's a love letter that God wrote me. It's a relationship. It's not to memorize, just to quote. It's to be involved in an ongoing fellowship with Him. So if all you do is open your Bible just to study for intellectual and historical context and knowledge, you're missing. It's not about what you know. It's about a relationship of who He is. God is not meant for us to, be, to study Him as He's on trial, but that we would have a relationship with Him. You see, the Bible isn't about individuals and Moses and David and, and Paul and all these disciples. It's not about individuals. The whole Bible is about God who invites individuals to get on mission with Him. And that's why you're still breathing. And that's why you're still alive. Because God has an invitation for you to get on mission with Him. I'm gonna ask if you would, just bow your heads, just for a moment, both of our locations. You have an invitation this morning. The first one is to follow Jesus. He's calling you by name. You know if he is or not. You know if God's working in your heart right now. Don't ignore that. That's him walking by your tax collector booth in the midst of your sin. And he says, follow me and you will become like me. Will you get up and follow him? Will you just trust that he's calling you by name and you will follow after him? If that's you, right where you sit, you can cry out to him. Say, I believe saying a prayer doesn't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares that Jesus Christ is Lord today, then he will save you. And I'm just hoping and praying that he, that he has extended that invitation has called you by name. If that's if you know that, then right now you need to pray to him. And you just need to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you came for me, that you died for me, that you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Now help me <laughs> become like you. 
help me follow you for the rest of my life. See, I believe if you prayed that, I believe it's everything within me that the Bible says you're part of the family of God. And here's what I want you to do. I'm not here to embarrass you. I just wanna know so I can pray for you. And host is gonna come out both campuses just in a moment and share with you a text line that you can let us know so we can give you some resources. But if that's you this morning and you say, man, pastor today, God just invited me and I responded and I opened my heart and gave my life to him at both of our campuses. And even if you're watching online in the chat, you can let us know. If that's you, would you just be so bold and say, pastor, I want you to know, I received that invitation this morning and I responded and I gave my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Come on, come on. If that was you today, Grayson, come on. Get your hand up, both of our campuses. Here's my second invitation. God invites you and calls you to be used by Him to get on mission. You were in your workplace you were in your school, not just for a paycheck, not just for education, but to be on mission. And my prayer through this entire series is that if everybody that attends Better Life Church and watches online, which is thousands of people, would get on mission with Jesus, listen to me, we can transform an entire region, not us, but God through us when we see when he's working. So would you get up every day and say, God, <laughs> the answer is yes. Where are you working? Send me there. I'll say yes to the invitation because I want to experience you. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, for... <laughs> for stories like Matthew, who's an outcast and kicked out of church and his family. But God, you go to notorious sinners and you say, follow me. I pray that our church would always be a church that welcomes people just the way they are. That God, when they get to this place, that through your word, you would kaleo, you will call them, you would give them an invitation by name and say, come on, follow me. And God, we are so thankful for over the 3,000 people who have given their life to you over the last 13 years, who's crossed from death to life, who answered yes to that call. And God, we pray for thousands and thousands of more in the years to come. God, use your people to change the world. For your name we ask and we pray. Amen.